so as Erica just said, we did start this podcast as a learning journey because there is so much to know about climate change and climate justice and all these things that are happening in the world. Although we really, really want to focus on the Grand Rapids scene. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we live in Grand Rapids. We love this city. Um, but also, sometimes it's just so hard to stay connected with where you live. And although the entire world in the United States is very important, um, the decisions we all make here individually, I think, are going to make a large impact. Yeah, and then especially because Grand Rapids is sort of a hub of change for Kent County, um, we're a fairly progressive city, so we Such want Such a good that. way of putting it. I'm sorry, a hub of change for Kent County. It is. Like, I feel like we really, like, are the center from which, like, change, like, emanates and, like, spreads, right? Like, I mean, I live in Wyoming, full transparency. So, and there's not as much of, like, a, like, that level of civic engagement that Grand Rapids has, right? Okay. So, things that happen in Grand Rapids slowly bleed out into cities like Wyoming, like Kentwood, like Walker. So that's why part like doing this work is so important to me. And also like even if you're not in Grand Rapids, but you're in a nearby city like these, like this information, uh, a lot of these opportunities are open to you as well. Totally. And like as you're saying this, I'm realizing too, like um, how many parallels we see between cities like Detroit and then things that we might experience later in life mm-hmm. or cities like Chicago. We have to take an account for why they have the experiences they do and then maybe see how that um, can be mirrored in our experiences, mm-hmm. how we can learn from their mistakes or from things they've done right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. Me too. Mm-hmm. Um, so to start off, we want to kind of tell you a little bit about who we are and what we do. Um, so as we said right at the top, we work for the Urban Core Collective. And the Urban Core Collective is a organization that's all about catalyzing social justice and like radical change. Um, so we're really big on our community building and resistance through relationships. Yeah, and um, also I think avoiding the redundancy sometimes um, as organizers and community work, you know, you want to take care of everything or um, sometimes you forget to see what other people are doing. And so hopefully we can kind of build that connection between what other organizations are doing so that we can get them informed as well as the people who need to lean on those organizations or want to volunteer with those organizations. And yeah, I just, I I love the message of Urban Core um, simply because even just our work ethic, the way mm-hmm. that we do things there, it, it's definitely progressive, um, and I'm I'm looking for that in all ways. Yeah, and one of the things that we really want to focus on doing too, uh, like Erica said, to avoid a, too much redundancy is to amplify what other people are doing, um, because I feel like a lot of times we're all so busy doing like our separate efforts, and like obviously the separate efforts are fine, but then like it's like so much like movements can be so much stronger if we all kind of like rally behind a cause or a group and or a community um and then kind of like just like unite up all, all of our efforts that way instead yeah. of just having all these like teeny meeny little efforts we're all singing all the same song we're all singing the same song yeah. but like we need to get together and make that choir let's get this people's choir going let's go. <laughs> um but i think nancy and i are really excited to take this podcast into another like understanding really um, centering around the climate and Mm -hmm. um, solutions there um, as well as again learning while we go Mm -hmm. and our work is funded by a grant called the midwest democracy pledge and uh, that pledge is meant for us to help educate the public and then hopefully increase the voter turnout especially in frontline communities 
um, which is going to be like a big focus of this podcast too. Yeah, and again, I think we should talk about what frontline means, which is actually typically referred to as a military term. The the first people who um, face those attacks and they're really the ones who are most in danger. And so when you break down the word frontline, it really does resonate um, because the reality is, is living in an unsafe neighborhood means so much more than violence. That mm-hmm. can mean your air. That can mean the food that you have access to. That can mean the amount of education that you're going to receive. Um, that can all be very detrimental to your experience. Mm-hmm. And like we all know about like the water crisis in Flint, right? But like for example, there's not enough conversation about the PFAS uh, contamination in like the Black Hills and the Roosevelt Park neighborhoods. So things like that where we see that lower income neighborhoods are most severely impacted by a lot of the pollution by manufacturers in the industry. Absolutely. And typically, I mean, are they also not the ones that are working those jobs? So Mm -hmm. you can't really escape it sometimes. And um, I I would just like more transparency and information about what it means to live in those neighborhoods or Mm -hmm. work those jobs or to visit a park down the street from it. Um, Do we want to talk about who we are a little bit? Just a little bit. Yeah, cool, cool. Okay. Okay. It's my time to shame. Yeah, let's hear it. Because let me start off by saying Nancy, like who she is and where she comes from is just way cooler. I just want to skip over mine completely. (laughs) Um, So Nancy, where are you from? Um, So I'm from Long Beach, California. Um, Although I was raised in like the city of Compton. Represent. (laughs) I don't represent, but I wish. Um, But yeah, so I grew up in California and that's one, like, you know, it's like a, like Long Beach is a pretty progressive city. So like I learned, like I grew up basically caring about cleaning up our oceans because I was right next to it, you know, and, you know, cleaning up the beaches and like preserving a lot of our natural floral and fauna. And then coming to Michigan, like I really fell in love with the, how much natural space there is here just because like, you know, California, like the area that I grew up in was so urban. Um, but so like, and like, I feel like we want to preserve Michigan's beauty, right? Like it has such a big, like just natural draw, like in terms of like all these like magnificent outdoor spaces. Well, even in the city, like when you drive into Grand Rapids, you just see like cloud, almost like clouds of trees. Mm -hmm. Like, and there's not a lot of cities that will give you that. Yeah. Like we were in Chicago a few weeks ago. And let me tell you, (laughs) the tree scarcity is real. (laughs) We love Chicago, but bring back some trees. Put some plants around, please. Yeah, And and not pretty grass. Like you have to water that. (laughs) It was all dead. Grass isn't pretty to start with. (laughs) Let's get some wildflowers. Yeah, let's do that. Um, Yeah, so I'm from California, came to Michigan. Um, I'm an artist by training, uh, specifically in metals and jewelry. Um, But I am also kind of like a multidisciplinary artist, so I do a bunch of different things. Um, And I used to work for the library, so I'm really big on books and reading and literature. And any other fun facts about me? I have an ugly dog, a cute dog, and a very cool cat. (laughs) It just throws me off. Throws me off every time you say it. What, ugly dog, ugly cute dog, dog, cute dog. Very I cool mean, cat. We love the cat. Of course, the cat is cool. She's super cool. We're just not expecting for the description of dog. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's I true. It is is very true. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right, Erica, blow us away. Oh, pum pum. Uh, <laughs> I am also from Compton. <laughs> <laughs> and no, um, I grew up in Holland, Holland, Michigan. How was Holland? How was Holland? Um, 
It's an interesting place. I think it's beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Like touching on nature. I think I love nature because I grew up around it. Mm-hmm. My dad would take me on hikes when I was younger. My mom, we would be at the beach all summer. Nice. Um, my grandparents, you know, like growing up in Michigan, my mm-hmm. grandparents had um, a place in Alpena. So I think nature is something that's always applied in my life naturally, like naturally. Um, just because of where I grew up. Um, but I think that definitely changed my perspective on how people see me. Mm. And so um, that's just a, a totally different area of um, understanding of being a person of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a huge part of the reason why I'm passionate about this work in particular, um, not only because I've been seeing, you know, since the BP oil spill when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. um, I've been wondering why we haven't made substantial steps toward turning that around um, as far as how we gain our energy and how we Mm -hmm. power our vehicles and the acceptance level of not regulating that. That's always confused me. But then also like the clear disparities between what people of color might face or... um, just look how looking different can determine a lot of different things for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a beautiful place. Yeah. I really do love it. And I think it's given me a lot of different bits of myself to appreciate as well. Um, but I live in Grand Rapids for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit more diverse, right? It's so a much bit. more progressive. Um, mm-hmm. It just, it, Grand Rapids loves art. Um, yeah, and as an artist, that was a big draw for me for right. coming to the city. So I think like people really do support arts here, mm-hmm. um, and I would personally like to see maybe our larger art installations include more local art. Yeah, um, and paying them equally for that local art. Um, but totally, it's a good start to at least have some features or to be a city that features that mm-hmm. widely. Yeah. And, like, something that we're also doing well, like, surprisingly well, almost, is that we have a really strong environmental scene, too. Yeah. It's just, like, who is in in that environmental scene is what's kind of changing right now, I think. I mean, more people who look like us, but I just think the climate's kind of trending as well. And so a lot of work is being woven into it, climate-based, environmental-based. And, you know, I've been living in Grand Rapids, like in this area, at least for about five years now. And I've always been really big on like, uh, like changing, you know, saving the planet and like trying to go zero waste and like planning my native garden and like doing all these things that I felt were like the right things You're to on do. it, dude. You yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I try. Um, obviously, none of us are perfect. Like a lot of food still comes in plastic, which is terrible. But anyway, um, but like I was going out of my way to try and find ways to get more involved and I very rarely found ways or like places that were welcoming to me um, as a person of color trying to do this work. Um, However, when I started working for the Urban Court Collective, Sergio introduced us to a bunch of other organizations that are also doing really similar work. So it was actually like a really pleasant surprise for me to know that like West Michigan had so many like environmental organizations. Yeah. And that's part of why we, we wanted to start this podcast and introduce you to some of these organizations. We'll introduce you to the organizations, the work they're doing, some of the city planning meetings that you can go to. Like last mm-hmm. night we went to a master planning meeting and it's so great to be involved and to see so many people come out um, and really give their input. But are they not? I mean, 
not all of them, but a good portion of them are still organizers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also something we want to make sure that we feature here is um, keeping you looped in as much as we can on when to show up to board meetings or, you know, when the school board meetings are happening or Mm -hmm. when commission meetings are happening or a good time for you to give input at um, a master planning or reinvest YAR event, Mm -hmm. um, whatever it may be. Um, I think that's important because I didn't really know about that stuff before I started working. I had no idea. Yeah, like I had no idea I could just go up to like, you know, commissioner meetings and just like tell them what I want as a citizen. Like that was so questions. Yeah. Um, And that's really, like, one of the most important things you can do and just, like, let your representatives know, like, what's important to you and, like, what you're thinking about um, and what your priorities are. Beyond priorities, what are you passionate about? I also really like, as, like, I love food. I mean, you've learned this about me. Oh, Nancy loves food, which is climate ties in, but you love food. I love food. (laughs) (laughs) So much. Um, So, yeah, somewhat related to that, I do also care a lot about, like, food justice, and food sovereignty. Yeah. Um, so over the summer, I also work as a community gardener and a farmer's market manager for a small local neighborhood association. Um, and so like that's one of the ways that I try to like educate my people. Um, and by my people, I mean people that live in my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> um, to well, a lot of them look like you, though. Yeah. Yeah. To like, oh, and by the way, I'm like Latina, so. Oh, um, yeah. You might not be able to tell. Because you're just, just hearing you can't us. See, well, you can't see us. I hope you wouldn't assume, <laughs> but I did mention being a person of color. Uh-huh. Um, I am black and white, which is the way I think I resonate with saying that. Mm-hmm. Some people might call it African-American and Caucasian. <laughs> uh, those are my terms. That's so a lot of words. What, what are your terms? <laughs> <laughs> Just Latina is fine, or Latinx, um, or Chicana. I really like Chicana. We love Chicana. We also love Chicanix. Um, oh, Chicanix. That has a vibe, that right? That is... Such a vibe. Wow, I it love that. It brings the West Coast to I you, doesn't it? I love that. Represent yeah. Copton. <laughs> um, no, we're uh, your um, ancestor, like your, um, your in- indigenous culture. Sure. So my indigenous culture, way back in Mexico, my parents hail from a state called Yuridia or Guanajuato. Yuridia, Guanajuato. I think the state is Guanajuato and the city is Yuridia. But anyway, um, and my the people that were there and like the indigenous people are the Budapecha, and that's part of what I'm blended with. So woo-hoo. I love that you know that. I think it's so important that you know that mm-hmm. because I think we've talked about this a number of times. I could not tell you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could tell you that my people were in Mississippi, mm-hmm. likely. I could probably look up the farm that's associated with my last name which I've done before Mm -hmm. um but otherwise I couldn't tell you like what tribe in Africa I came from or what country in Africa I came Mm -hmm. from and so I I really adore that about people um who have that tie to their culture I think it's just so important Mm -hmm. and there's like dozens of countries in Africa so like not even know like I could like for me it's like good enough if I knew what country my ancestry was from because you know I'm born here but then to also be yeah. able to pinpoint it to, like, city, state, uh, indigenous group. Like, to me, that's really valuable to know just Absolutely. because, you know, colonialism has taken so much <laughs> of my cultural ancestry. Well, uh, and so it allows I take you what to I tap can in. Get. Like, mm-hmm. you can easily, and, and especially with the day and age that we live in, obviously, you can find any information. But you can mm-hmm. easily, like, tap into that. Yeah. yeah, so what drew you, Erica, into environmentalism and 
climate justice and social justice, really. I <laughs> it's so woven into my existence. Bad, okay, but it's, I was going to say, like, is this such a bad question? Like, is that like a duh question to no, ask like a person of color? I think I, think I kind of sighed because I'm like, you have oh, to, there's, right? there's so many. You kind of have to, but also it's really easy not to. Like, I worked before this, I worked as a receptionist for eight years mm-hmm. um, in different places in holistic health, which I think formed my brain around um, different options outside of what we're given conventionally as far as, like, how to get food, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and why it's important to not get food that's been mass-produced. Yeah, or like super overly processed and all Yeah, that. or why you're, how your environment can directly impact your health. And so I think that kind of wove into my interests along with things like seeing these natural, um, I mean, it's not a natural disasters, but these disasters against nature when we talk mm-hmm. about, like, oil spills and yeah. stuff like that. You could call them an unnatural disaster. An unnatural disaster, exactly. Um, and so I think it is just being who I am. Um, but also, I had a lot of opportunity to not do this. Um, I personally would love to give people all agency and freedom over the decisions. Mm-hmm. So I think we should have the ability to gain power, to gain food, mm-hmm. um, to live off of land freely. Um, I think that we should be able to gather water freely. Um, and I think that there's a lot of liberation in having that um, that knowledge. Yeah. Um, and so I think I would like to help spread that. Um, and then just the awareness that um, our planet does not have much longer at the rate that we go. And I would yeah. love to be I able to tell people. I think we've already passed our mouth for like, the point of no return. So we're in it, folks. We are in it. And so I, I think we... It would be nice to have a platform to make sure that even just my people understand how passionate I am about the fact that if we don't make everyday changes, um, Mm -hmm. our our world will. Yeah. (laughs) And Um, I might not be here for that, but like if I have children. Yeah. I mean, it's already happening. I have nieces, right? I mean, we all have that experience. We've got people that we care about and generations we want to allowed to have this space still yeah so my family is still in california and one of the things that i saw in our group chat earlier this week which i did think i mentioned to you earlier was that it is basically snowing and hailing in california like they have full-on snowstorm happening not just in california in southern california southern california like okay it very rarely used to hail there but then like to have like to be fair it was a smattering of snow (laughs) but um so like you know, it's already happening. Like, those changes are already sweeping across the country, and we're out of time. And at this point, it's really about, like, harm reduction and mitigation. And that's when we need everybody to do at least a small part and get involved in whatever tiny way you can. You don't have to change. You don't have to, like, save the world on your own, but we can save the world collectively. Well, and being informed. Mm-hmm. You are quite literally doing something by sitting here listening to something like this mm-hmm. and just understanding that those are things to look out for, that our world is changing. Like, mm-hmm. that might change um, grabbing a straw when you know you're going to just go home and drink that, you yep. know, or deciding on not getting a drink because you're just going to go home and you need more water <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm 
I think that is probably how we both got to this point. Yeah. It wasn't like I woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to save the planet. I mean, yes, some days I wake up like, I'm going to save the planet. (laughs) But I think we slowly started to get into this because Mm -hmm. we started to realize like one straw equals yeah, eight million like straws. Times, like the city's population <laughs> totally. equals like millions of straws. And so although my my one straw is not going to save the planet, um, avoiding that on a daily basis can definitely make a large impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let's say I do it, Erica does it, and you do it, yeah. then, you know, that and that spreads. Meatless Monday. Like, Meatless Monday. Th- that just, that one day, like if you look up the actual, um, like, data behind not eating meat for one day, because mm-hmm. most people eat two to three times a day, mm-hmm. have meat in their diet. Yep. And so imagine the effects that that could have. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah, because, so. like, meat has such a high carbon footprint. And uh, full transparency, I am not vegan or vegetarian. So I am part of the problem. But also, like, I'm a reducitarian, right? So I try to at least be more intentional. Nancy. You heard that one? You... If you need a term, ask Nancy. Um, you can find her email address on our <laughs> on website. <our> website. <laughs> <laughs> She's got them all. I've never heard of that, and I love it. Yeah, so a reducitarian is someone who just consumes less meat. Love it. And I try to just be more intentional about the meat that I do buy. I try to make sure it's either like organic or free-range or ethically sourced or it comes from my farmer's market and it's supporting a small business. Yeah. Um, you know, I try to do my little part to like at least consume meat in like the least harmful way possible. Yeah. Um, also, like I was telling one of my friends a couple of days ago, a lot of Mexican dishes have meat in them, right? And then right. my cuisine, my cultural cuisine, is one of the few things I have left of my culture because so much of it was stripped away by colonialism. No, that's the so, such the truth. And yeah, so it's like I want to keep what little of my culture I have, and a lot of it it's through food. Well, and it's through food, but also like how many people who come from where your people come from Mm -hmm. are the reason why we have food the way that we do. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think that food doesn't have to be the issue. Maybe it's the way that we waste food that's the issue, right? Totally. Like why don't we look at food differently Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, well, like meat is the problem. Like does agriculture add to a large amount of carbon um, emissions? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Meat is huge. I mean, in the amount of water that it uses – you can't deny the impacts of that on our environment but like food waste being at 40 percent of the food that we produce is wasted Mm -hmm. like that's that's (laughs) that's almost half Mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter what you're eating if you're wasting almost half of it that's yeah. just an incredible amount of resource. Yeah, because that ends up in a landfill, and then that anaerobically compost, which creates methane gas, which you know contributes to like the greenhouse effect. So, but that's the topic for another episode. Right. Oh my goodness, we'll be here all day. I know. I was like, if I go into every single rabbit hole presented to me, we'll, so, we will be here all day. Um, I guess in in something we can briefly touch on, I think before is just that um, Nancy and I are very different. But one thing that we do come from, like while we're on the topic of food, is that both of our ancestors, I think it was more or less my great grandfather and mm-hmm. then your grandparents, mm-hmm. um, worked largely on farms yep. and in food or just having that be in their lifestyle. Um, it was a necessity to be able to grow your own food and to have a sustainable space. Yeah, and like living off the land. And because it was you were living off of your own land, you took like pains to ensure that your land remained sustainable 
and that you could keep providing for your family for generations, right? Yeah. Like, my grandpa still, well, he passed away. But, like, m- like my family in Mexico are still, like, in possession of that land, right? Yeah. And, like, they still, like, live off of it. So And I think in Grand Rapids, we know that's a luxury to have land. That's a luxury, yeah. Because the city owns, the what's it, the most... Is the city and then schools. Second most is Grand Rapids the Public Schools. Grand Rapids Public Schools owns the second amount of land. And again, we all know as 30-year-olds, as 40-year-olds, you know, as 50-year-olds, it's incredibly difficult to own a home um, mm-hmm. right now. And so it's incredibly difficult to go to the store and not realize the rising prices of food. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important that we understand why we have to preserve the land we have, Mm -hmm. why we have to be very intentional about the food that we have and where we get it from, Mm -hmm. how it's transported, what it does to our bodies. Um, And so, yeah, I'm really excited to get... Into the nitty-gritty of all of that. Into all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I think it's a huge part of the reason why we are both here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, when you hear the term climate justice organizer, what do you picture? Sure. So I think I picture somebody who is talking to the higher ups, whoever they may be, whether that's like city officials, uh, county officials, state officials, federal officials, or I guess country officials and advocating for what's right right so like because like you know at this point we're still lobbying or like not we as in like us directly but like people as like as a country um we're still lobbying for the interest of like these massive multi-billion dollar companies and they are the ones that are kind of killing the planet so are they (laughs) (laughs) did you did you just hear yeah (laughs) haven't noticed yeah so I would say that an organizer is somebody who helps to like raise the alarm maybe and also to like unite people and build community and rally people to make a difference and like draw attention to all these issues that are affecting all of our frontline communities. Absolutely. And I would also say maybe just that bridge, mm-hmm. like helping creating bridges between other organizations. Totally. Oh, I keep um, saying totally. Totally is a really good word. I say for sure a lot. That sounds better. All right, we'll switch it up next time. In our next episode, we'll I'll be say featuring for the sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. We'll, we'll work on it, and then we'll get like a really good for show done. <laughs> um, no, but I think it is. It's all about those bridges, right? Mm-hmm. It's bridges between organizations, like one to the other. Mm-hmm. It's bridges between the residents that are needing the services or looking to the organizations for answers. Mm-hmm. Um. And really, I mean, it's the it's the three words in itself are so self-explanatory. Yeah. Like, we clearly cl- care about the climate, mm-hmm. which impacts everybody. I don't care who you are or where you live. Yeah. If we get our water from Lake Michigan and somebody poisons Lake Michigan with toxins We're or with an oil spill, mm-hmm. there's not enough bottled Nestle water with zero mineral value <laughs> <laughs> to help your body mm-hmm. or to, to water the plants that you need to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the climate part, obviously, the justice part is very clear and loud, and I hope everybody understands that. Yeah. And um, organization. I love something that's organized. <laughs> um, but also, like, I, I like... You the, are organizing queen. I mean, I might be. Don't go to my apartment. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I like the idea of having um, an organized way of handling that situation, mm-hmm. because 
we know individually it's incredibly difficult to tackle yeah um so i like being the bridge yeah and then there's so many moving parts with climate justice right like then because it's so intersectional and there's all these issues that are related to it i mean we mentioned foods like food justice but then there's also like energy justice which we will discuss later um yeah so that's a little bit about us and erica do you have any final words to say I'm just really grateful for anybody who wants to be a part of this mm-hmm. um, this action that we're attempting to take. Mm-hmm. Um, very transparent, yeah, we're not perfect. Um, you don't have to do every single thing to make a difference. You and don't. I would love to help all of us know what those look like and what are your options are. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about a journey with you. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for being on this learning journey with us. Um, and we hope that you'll get as much out of it as we do. Our next episode will be released in two weeks. <laughs>